0: So, w- welcome back to our fifth installment of uh, season two's mini series. Thanks for being here with me today. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday. I just came over from watching qualifying. We got an exciting result, someone new on poll, but uh, all I can say is that I hope at the time of listening we've had an even better first race of the season. Uh, I'm hoping it's a good one, even though Sebastian Vettel isn't there. He's got COVID. He's sick. It's the first race he's missed since 2007. Certainly my first race I've seen without him. So it's a bit of a different experience. Um, but we're going to keep trucking along here today. Uh, and if you're new here to my mini series or to the podcast in general, welcome. If not, you guys know the drill. Um, these are my quick 15 minute episodes. I am chatting about um, a specific driver today. As you saw the title, it's Driver Spotlight. So I'm drilling down on one single person giving you a really quick rundown of their records and their stats, their background, as well as some of their on-track strengths and weaknesses like their driving style. So I'm I'm doing all of this really just to give you a better, you know, a better experience when you watch racing or to educate you kind of on the history background, because there is a lot to learn, many years of history uh, and legacy left behind. So today I'm going to be kind of, I've been going down the list of championship winners, most championship winners, not intentionally, but that's kind of been the the choices that I've drawn. Uh, I've gone through Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton, and today I'm focusing on Alain Prost, So I'm going to start with his background, kind of how he got into F1 and his records, since he has pretty much really definitely earned his place in the Formula One Hall of Fame. So let's get into it. So Prost was born in February of 1955 in central France. And according to the F1 website and their biography of him, he was somebody who reportedly was always athletically inclined, even though he is shorter. We know that's valuable for F1 drivers, but not in all sports. Uh, And he very much enjoyed athletics like wrestling, roller skating, and soccer. And he would actually leave schooling in 1974 and go into karting and racing full time. And he would support his racing habit because F1 or motorsports in general has never been the cheapest. So he would support his time in the sport by uh, tuning engines and becoming a cart distributor. So not only was he going out on track and driving, he was also kind of being entrepreneurial and business minded in the space to bring in the funds that he knew he needed to support his dream. And so he would actually do well kind of right out of the box and win the 1975 French Senior Karting Championship. And because of these successes, he was able to secure a season in Formula Renault, which is a category that he went on to win two more driving titles with before moving on to Formula Three. So I know that's kind of a few like Formula This, Formula That. And a few episodes ago, I went through kind of the FIA global pathway and how drivers are generally moving through the series ladder to get to Formula One currently. And and so that's kind of obviously been refined only in recent years. So looking back 50 plus years ago, uh, it wasn't as simple or straightforward. So there are a lot more of these smaller regional or national series that were still um, valued at enough level and your skill and experience in them would uh, be something that F1 recruiters or people who are looking to get guys for their team would look at as highly valuable um, and and would look to, to see your level. Um, so in 1978 and 1979, he would win both the French and European Formula 3 championships. So those were kind of regional as well. And then in 1980, he would choose to race for McLaren. So he, this was his first up into Formula One. And quite a few teams had actually come knocking at his doorstep, wanting to give him an opportunity in Formula One. But ultimately after considering all the offers that he had, he decided to go with McLaren. And now moving actually into his Formula One career, So Prost has four world championships. He's been very, very successful. It set him very near the top of the list of most championships. He is tied with Seb Vettel and is behind Lewis, obviously Michael, as well as Fangio. So his four championships came in 1985 and 86, then later in 1989 and 1993. So only had two consecutive ones and then the other ones came later in his career. And now his nickname was actually the professor. People will refer to him as that very widely. That's not just a niche thing that is that is fairly widespread. And it was for his approach to racing. He was known for being very intelligent and methodical uh, in, in how he went about kind of forming his driving style and uh, how he interacted with the team and the setup of the car. All of that was very, very methodical, and that was what earned him this nickname. And he has 51 wins over the course of his career, and that puts him again in fourth place, only two races behind Seb, and then Michael and Lewis are above him. Uh, And in joining McLaren in his first year, It wouldn't be as easy a start as it was in the earlier series that he was in, but this wasn't down to his driving abilities. It was mainly due to the car. This year's McLaren in 1980 was notoriously unreliable, and that really hampered his start in the sport because he couldn't, you know, the car was breaking down. He couldn't show his skills uh, like he could, and the races didn't go the way he wanted to, put simply. And so he left to join Renault uh, the year after. So Renault had these turbo engines, and this would take him actually to his first win of his career in 1981. And this was a big deal because he was a French driver with a French team, and he won on French soil. So that's very much akin to how Italian drivers or Ferrari drivers will feel winning at Monza and being front, in front of the crowd in Italy. So that was a, certainly a memorable experience for him, uh, something that marks kind of the start of his career or his upward trajectory. And then moving on in 1982, kind of went back to some of the problems that he had had beforehand Um, the championship was on the table though. There was, there was an opportunity with Renault for the championship to be his, for him to get the crown, but there were more mechanical issues. There were, there were obstacles with his teammate. His, his teammate would actually leave that season and move to Ferrari because of some altercations that were fairly serious on and off track. Uh, but Prost would stick around with Renault. And work with them to see if he could get the car better and kind of restabilize the team. Now, 1983, the championship was very close to being his. So he led the 1983 title race until the very final round, which we know the experience uh, going down to Abu Dhabi last year of that, <laughs> that anxiety of not knowing who's going to win until the very last race. And in 1983, Prost lost out to Nelson Piquet. So then Renault, it didn't stop there, the, the drama. Uh, Renault dropped him immediately after this race. And that was because he dared to criticize them for not keeping uh, the car up to pace with technological developments. So I think that's certainly a, a conversation for a whole other episode about you know, internal dynamics and drivers speaking ill about their own team. I think there's been several other instances in history with guys like Fernando Alonso who have badmouthed their team or simply just been less than entirely positive about the the makeup of their team and the direction that they're going and how that's affected you know their legacy at that team or even wider in the sports or their contract in this case seeing how, Prost got entirely dropped from the team, they must have seen it as bad enough where they said, nope, we don't want you here anymore. And so after that, he moved back to McLaren where he started his career and won right out of the gate. This would kind of be another catalyst for a large section of his wins because the majority of his time with McLaren was incredibly successful. In his six seasons with McLaren, he won 30 races and three driving titles and was runner up to the championship twice. Now, after those six seasons, he would move to Ferrari actually in 1990. Then he would take a sabbatical from racing and spent 1992 as a TV commentator before returning in 93 with Williams Renault. That, that name is hyphenated, so the two of them work together, to win seven more races, bringing his total to what was then a record at 51, and take his fourth driving title. Now, one of the kind of hallmarks of Prost's career was his rivalry with Ayrton Senna, who's someone I'm certain I will talk about very soon on this podcast, Uh, And they ran into each other a lot in tight battles. The two of them have a very storied history together. And so in both his years at McLaren and Ferrari, there would be certain controversial moments that decided championships and that really caused rifts between the two of them. Because Prost's racing style, as I said, was very economical. He would start races very conservatively. He would go easy on the brakes and the tires and then make a late race challenge. Now, Senna was the opposite. He was brutal. He was he, he went flat out. He raced very, very hard from the very start. And both had their merits and their drawbacks, certainly. Uh, but the two of them, they did not get along. They did not see eye to eye. Prost would accuse uh, his Brazilian teammates. So Ayrton and uh, Prost were teammates at times. Uh, he would accuse Ayrton of dangerous driving uh, and receiving more attention from media and teams there would be a controversial clash in the chicane at Suzuka where Prost deliberately shut the door on Senna and clinched his third driving title. This would prove to be kind of part of the reason why he went and joined Ferrari after that. Later, Senna would take his second driving title by deliberately driving into the Ferrari of Prost at Suzuka again. Uh, So needless to say, it wasn't the kindest relationship. And F1 is not a sport without bitter rivalries, we know that, Uh, but these guys really didn't seem to get along in any fashion. So kind of after all of that, after all the altercations, they really built up and he took that sabbatical and then returned with williams Renault. there was kind of a looming possibility that he would have to actually be teammates with Senna again. And he surely didn't want to do that. So he announced his retirement saying, the sport has given me a lot, but I decided the game wasn't worth it anymore. So that wasn't entirely the end of his time in the sport. In the current era, Prost is, I believe he is not anymore. Actually, he, so excuse me, he was an advisor and an ambassador for Renault or now Alpine which I think is a terrible name. Uh, but I, I, really, I don't believe he's there anymore, if I remember right, because something went wrong between him and, and the leadership there. Uh, he said something about how he thought the Alpine would disintegrate on track, which, judging by the team's issues during testing, he wasn't quite far off. As I saw, they kind of suffered several uh, mechanical blowouts and issues. But nonetheless, Prost has totally made a name for himself in the history books. He remains a very storied, very respected driver in the sport whose driving style and, and kind of the way he interacted with his car and engaged with it is deeply important and worthy of taking note for so many drivers who have, who have spoken about his influence on their own personal style. Uh, and his impact shouldn't also be diluted because of his arguments or altercations with Senna uh, he clearly made a name for himself in his own right and dealt with his fair share of controversy and competition, which is totally normal um, and kind of expected in a sport as dramatic as this. Uh, but he he definitely is a part of the record books and the history books and uh, certainly has made, made a great impact on the sport. So that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Formula 101. Uh, thank you for listening. I really hope we have a good start to the season this weekend in Bahrain, and I will see you guys soon.